Well, you completely lose focus on what's really important, which is the relationship that you have now. And you're, you're focusing on the bad relationship and fighting versus focusing on your current relationship and improving it. And where your focus goes, that's what grows. Yep. Yeah. And then people wonder why they're not happy and why their blended family isn't running smoothly. And that's why, because like you said, if you're focusing on everything that's wrong, how can you be happy? You got to start focusing on what's right, what's going smoothly, even if everything's not perfect. You're listening to the Nacho Kids podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. You know, a lot of our guests have proven that people do make it past 10 years. Some have even been 20 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're knocking on 10 years. Probably by the time this gets released, it'll be 10 years. Yeah, maybe. Coming up. What do you mean, maybe? Where are you going? I mean, depending oh, on when die. we release That's right. it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so just remember, if you feel like throwing in the towel, hang in there. It's doable. Join the Nacho Kids Academy. Let us help you find the better way to better your blend. Yeah. Well, don't get hung up on the fallacy that when they turn 18, <laughs> that the stepkids will be gone and things will be so much better and all that. They're still there. Your spouse's kids. It's so funny you mention that. Why is that funny? Because that's what we talk about in this interview. How about that? Yeah, because I know you didn't remember. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're right. One of the big issues that is discussed in the Facebook groups or uh, the academy even is when will the stepkid move out? And we see a lot of people that have this timer on their phone for when the (laughs) stepkid turns 18. And a lot of people think that's because of child support. Not necessarily. A lot of people think that once these stepkids turn 18, that they will move out of the home. Hmm. And I want to talk about that for a second. It was easy for me to think that David's kids needed to leave when they were 18. But as my sweet little baby (laughs) approaches 15, I don't want him to leave. I'm ready for him to go. I got my timer going. You and I never, I'm going to knock you out. You and I never really discussed that the kids would be gone when they're 18 or. No, I think we discussed the limit. Like they need to be out by whatever. We didn't talk about 18. I don't remember a time we talked about 18. I remember we asked the kids and one of them said, at least by the time you're 23. Yeah. Something like that. I think, I don't even remember what it was now, but I think my. My deadline was 24 or something, maybe. Might have been 23. Yeah. Something like that. I just kind of had this thing where, you know, once you're 18, you can stay here. But, but you you're will. Gonna, you're going to contribute. Yeah. Uh, you're not just going to stay here for free at that point. And, uh, you know, but by 23, whatever it was, I can't even remember what I picked now, but whatever that is, you know, you're going to be out by then. Because you at that point, I think you've had enough time to go to school, save some money. Because I don't want the kids to start out not having any money and then having to borrow for everything. Because once you start down that path, you may never get out of it. Well, I don't know about in other areas, but things have changed dramatically with the housing market here. The smaller homes that used to sell for, you know, $120,000 that were starter homes, Mm -hmm. they're now closer to $200,000. Oh, yeah. yeah. The property values are crazy right now. Well, I think a lot of that's because the builders aren't building the smaller homes right now. And mm-hmm. once they start building them again, that those values will drop a little bit. Yeah. Well, the other part, too, is the kids often, I mean, maybe our generation did it. I'm not sure. I don't really recall it being this way. But kids now, you know, they're, they're being brought up a lot of times in, you know, bigger, nicer homes because, you know, face it, your family takes 20 years or so to get to that point where they can afford those things and kids are kind of jumping out there going well i want to start out that way and so they're trying to start out in the same thing that it took their parents an entire generation to to be able to afford and i think that's a bad way to start out now of course having said that (laughs) one of my kids is starting out in his first place he's renting it and it's um let's just say less than appealing yeah yeah it's within his budget we'll just say it that way (laughs) 
and he doesn't have a lot of budget. It well, I mean, he could double that and it be in his budget. He could, but yeah. But he's ecstatic. So that's what we're going with. He's happy. That's all that matters. Yeah. And this is first step. So I understand taking a small step first. You know, it's, you know, let me get my toes in a little bit, make sure. But that's not how he's looking at it. He said he will live there forever. I know. But forever's, this is a young kid's. Forever means, you know, this is the six same. Months. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is the same kid that I swear, um, if I wouldn't have known better, I thought he was a result of Woodstock. <laughs> yeah. He's a hippie child. <laughs> yeah. He's definitely on his own. Um, in this interview, we speak to Melissa Brown, mm-hmm. who does the Blended Family podcast. Cool. She started about four years ago. I listened to that. Yeah. She's got two step kids and two bio kids. One interesting thing, well, she's been blending for 12 years, so the kids are a lot older than, mm-hmm. <laughs> than yeah. now. She's one of the few that's made it. Yeah. So the bio kids are now 15 and 18, and the step kids are 16 and 20. Okay. One thing that really touched me and I don't know how she has dealt with it as well as she has is her bio kids chose to go live with their dad Mm. and I think that is probably the biggest fear of most bio parents oh yeah I absolutely was for me yeah not their dad but their mom (laughs) right and she's handled it very well I'm sure that um she went through a lot trying to cope with that but she is smart enough to realize that it's not because of her. Mm-hmm. She still has a good relationship with them. It was just more conducive and more appealing for them to go live with dad. Yeah, that's still a very, very, very tough situation to be in. Yeah, makes me sad. I mean, I, I don't know how, I would, and that's, I started to say, I don't know how I would deal with it or how I'd handle it. And as I'm, and I was thinking about saying it, as I was thinking about saying it, I do re- think about how people are often willing to give their advice or willing to have an emotion or a feeling about why somebody made their choice to do something, whether they understand it or agree with it or not, but they're not in that situation. Mm -hmm. You know, I often tell people that the, the only difference between a big problem and a little problem is that problems that are other people's are little problems that are mine are big because I'm the one having to deal with them. That's true. So let's listen to Melissa and hear about what she has learned through her four years of dealing with blended families as we talk to her about some of the things that we've noticed with us dealing with blended families. Okay. This ought to be a good one. It is. All right. Well, we'll get into it after a word from our sponsor. There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle stepfamily challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit nachokidsacademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's nachokidsacademy.com. We want to welcome Melissa Brown to the Nacho Kids Podcast. What's up, Melissa? Hi, guys. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, so we were on Melissa's podcast not long ago, right? Yeah, not long ago. Yeah. So, Melissa, go ahead and tell uh, everybody about your podcast, and then we'll dive into interviewing or interrogating, whichever we're going to do here. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, So again, my name is Melissa Brown and I host the Blended Family Podcast, which I've been doing for a little over four years now, which started as a need that I saw in the community. There really weren't a lot of resources back then for blended families. And I had had my own blended family at that point for eight years. It's 12 years now. I've got two biological kids and two step kids and a mother-in-law that lives with us and a couple of dogs and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, you've, you've got the mother-in-law that lives there, so that's an added bonus. Yeah, yeah. We've got a big blended family, and it's been, it's been you know, a long time and lots of changes and lots of ups and downs, and I just feel like my perspective is to try to help people really um, deal with their blended family in a more peaceful manner and understand that it doesn't need to be as challenging as it looks. It can be easier, and there are ways that we can learn how to cope, even though we can't always change what's going on around us. And so I'm all about trying to help people cope and find peace in their blended family so they can enjoy and not feel so stressed all the time. Yes, that's what we do too. <laughs> yes, I know. I know, I know. <laughs> 
teach them how to nacho. Yeah. Well, a lot of the things that we discuss, and I'm, I'm sure it's probably the same with you, Melissa, they're very, very simple tweaks or hacks or whatever you want to call them. They're simple, but they are not sometimes very easy to do. Yeah, like the positive thinking. Yeah. In the Nacho Kids Academy for February, we did a February challenge that was 28 days to change your thinking. Because, you know, stepmoms, we don't need but a little bit to make us start thinking negative about everybody. Yes, yes. And that starts to snowball. So I really like that. I really like that challenge. Twenty, And it, they say it only takes two weeks to start a habit. So 28 days, you're really locking that habit in. So did, did people have a lot of success with that in February? Yeah, they did. One girl, um, she lived somewhere that was really cold, like negative 30 and, you, you know, just snow everywhere. And um, I forget what it's called. It's where the sun looks funny. It's like the dog days or something. Right. And she said that she was riding on the road. And she's like, oh, it's so nice to be able to see those. And if I live somewhere else, I wouldn't be able to. And she's like, oh, crap, that was a positive thought. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, I mean, it was good. And um, this month we're actually doing a self-love challenge, you know. Really? Well, they actually kind of go hand in hand. You know, you've got to think positive about other things, but you need to think positive about yourself, too. A hundred percent. Self-love is everything, especially in the blended family, especially really for stepmoms. Stepmoms have the hardest time with that, I think. Yeah. Yeah, they do. So you've been blended 12 years. Yes. And the kids were how old when you started blending? So let's see. I think they were about three, six were mine. And then his at the time were four and eight. Oh, really close in range. Really Age. close. And so now <laughs> our oldest is our son. He's about to be, uh, is he about to, he's 19. So he's about to be 20. And then we have an 18 year old girl and then a girl who's about to be 16 and then a 15-year-old girl. So yeah, we are, it's just been crazy these teenage years and we really don't get a break, right? Because they're all so close together and it's just one, one big problem after another, but we're kind of used to that by now. <laughs> yeah, let me ask you this. I know we have a lot of stepmoms and I'm guilty that I was worried that the stepkids would never move out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, these days we're kind of looking around at, I don't know what happened with our generation of parenting. And, you know, I, I know it's not all of our fault, but I'm noticing a lot of kids not leaving the home anymore until they're older. I mean, it's everywhere you look around. When I was young, I wanted to move out when I was 18. But now these kids, they're not prepared for life. And I know it's not just our fault, right? It's the school system. It's everything. It's really life. I mean, our kids can't even get jobs. I don't know about where you live, but here in Florida, you have to be like 18 before they will hire you. Yes. You are very lucky if you could find something at 16 or 17, and it's a miracle if you could find something at 15. So really, we want the kids to go out and work and become independent, but here, they're, they're not even getting employed till they're 18, so how can we expect them to leave at 18, right? They haven't had a chance to save or to really prepare, and so that's very frustrating for us, and that's why I think that's part of the problem. I don't, I don't know when they're going to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily, where we are... Um all of David's kids were able to get jobs. What did Avery do? I know he did the bread thing for a little while, but. Um, that's a great question. We can't, our memories, I'm telling um, you. He did He did that, and then he, he went to work for um, another, I don't know exactly what he was doing, but it was another Oh, company. yeah, 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 I remember that. <clears throat> um, so one of them went to work wherever we can't remember, or kind of can't remember, and then <laughs> three of them worked at fast food restaurants. Right. And luckily, because they had to pay for their own car insurance. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard here. They're, they cannot, it's very hard to find them a job. They are coddled. It's like, oh, they can't work here because they can't use an oven or they can't be around these chemicals. It's crazy. It's crazy. And so that's <laughs> what we're up against right now, you know, trying to just, so I have one, one of the kids working for us, you know, in the cleaning company right now, because she's, she's a little bit older, but she still can't find a job that she likes and so on and so on. But yeah, teaching them independence at this age is crazy because I feel like the world is fighting against us, you know? Yeah, you're right. Um, David and I have talked about this several times, how when we were, you know, or when we were getting ready to turn 18, we were ready to move out. We were looking forward to being an adult and um, we didn't feel like we weren't prepared. And right. we've noticed with one of his children, he told him, he said, I'm scared. I don't know what I want to do next. And you know, not that we knew what we wanted to do, but it was we knew we were going to get out and go to college or we were going to get out and get a job. It was just yeah. it was almost a given at when we were growing up that when you turn 18, you're gone. Yeah. <laughs> 
He just didn't have any fear. Don't you think, though, that it's a little bit more in the blended family situation that makes it more difficult for children to become independent because they are bouncing back from home to home? And maybe because of that, there are less responsibilities, maybe less chores because they are bouncing around. And so I just that's my opinion. I just feel like it's a little bit harder to to establish some structure and discipline around that stuff when they're going from home to home. Do you guys feel that way, too? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I know, um, you know, we've talked about it before, and I'm sure that you've talked about it. Um, the guilty parent syndrome, or people refer to it as guilty dad syndrome. I don't know why not guilty mom syndrome, but um, <laughs> David calls it GPS for guilty parent syndrome. <laughs> and so, you know, you may have where a situation where the bio mom has no rules, no responsibilities, and then they go to the dad's house and he's got guilty parent syndrome. So he's not even as strict or as disciplined or I don't have as many expectations for the kids as he would if he was in a nuclear family. Yeah, absolutely. That happens all the time. My husband struggles with that. You know, he's getting a little bit better now because the kids, he never had them. And now that they moved in at the beginning, initially he felt very guilty for previous years where he wasn't there like he wanted to be. And so then it affected what he was doing now, what he is doing now, but he's working on that now that it, they've been here for a while and he's starting to understand some of their ways. It's changing a little bit, but a hundred percent. I've watched that with him every day for the last couple of years. I'm guilty of it too, which is interesting because I have my son 90% of the time, if not a little bit more, you know, he's only gone every other weekend and a few weeks here and there, but I'm still guilty of it. You know, yeah. a lot of mine is the fear of you don't want your kid to want to live with the other parent. You know, you don't want them to go, I'm leaving as you know, that happened to me twice, you know, that happened to me with both of my daughters. And that was very painful for me. And for a while, I didn't want to talk about it because there's, there's an element of shame around that, right? When your kids leave. And it took me a lot of self-work to really understand that it had nothing to do with me personally as their mother and that they love me, that it was just what they knew would be different over there. The rules would be different, more conducive to a 13-year-old girl. Mm -hmm. And that's why they did it. And I knew that. Um, but at the time, it was very difficult and challenging to go through as a mother when you say, gosh, both of my children wanted to move out at 13, yet we have this great relationship. You know, So it's, it's difficult, but it actually improved our relationship later on. But if I didn't understand that, if I didn't really understand that it wasn't about me, then it might have damaged our relationship, I think. Oh, and definitely it could have damaged you. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I can see that happening mm -hmm. easily. David had his kids 50-50 pretty much there towards the last eight years or so. And the closer they got to being 18 and graduating school, you could almost see the panic in his face of, I've only got so many years. I've only got so many days. And Really, those years and days were cut in half because of the divorce, and that just adds more to it. Yeah. Yeah. Very challenging. Yep. Yeah. For me, it was, uh, I mean, you don't, you never know when they're going to move out, but for me, uh, I already had three of them that had shown interest in the military. So I kind of had a pretty good idea that, you know, 18 was going to be the cutoff. And uh, we had one didn't go into the military, so I thought he'd be around longer. Uh, but when the, uh, when the three turned 18, um, they were going, well, actually one of them was turned 18 earlier, but he was, he left Then the other two turned 18, joined the military. They left. And then the last one, which I thought would stay here longer. He, he decided he wanted to move to the town his mom lives in and, and, and try a different, a whole different life. And so he similar to your kids choosing to live yeah. with the other parent. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, I went from, I guess within what, a year and a half mm -hmm. time period, went from four kids to zero. Uh, on my wow. own. Yeah. So it's been an adjustment. I've been trying to trying to stay busy because it's sometimes when you think about it, it's like depressing a little bit. And of course, I still have her son here to aggravate. So it's not too bad. <laughs> yeah. And he aggravates my son and then they <laughs> aggravate me. <laughs> yeah. But Isn't it so funny, though, when you have all those kids in the house and all that chaos and you're like, oh, I just wish that I could have some peace. But then when they're actually gone, you're like, oh, I wish there was a little bit more noise here. It's so quiet. You know, it's crazy how how they do that to us, our children. <laughs> One of the kids actually just left today to go to Japan for two years or whatever it is. And, you know, I miss them. And I, yeah. I mean, I knew I would miss them, but I, I miss them more than I ever thought I would. And so when he's talking to them on the phone or whatever, you know, or I'll call them and talk to them and, 
you know, I, I'm just like, I miss you. And they're like, miss you too, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm like, but I really miss you. And they're like, okay. <laughs> and then yeah. they say, um, is the dog there? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, yesterday we were driving and um, and Lori's phone rang and it was one of my sons calling her uh, for advice. Oh. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. The other son that was here um, for the couple weeks before he flew out to Japan, we did a recording with him, you know, for the Nacho Kids Academy. And we've done some with him in the past, and he's really good at these, you know, like he impresses me, especially the Facebook Live we did. And he's like, so, so and so, your question says, you know. <laughs> but anyway, we had him on there, and he was talking to, about, you know, growing up and going through the whole not wanting me here, and then how things were when I started nachoing, and then how our relationship evolved. And David said, So, what would you consider Lori now? And he said, A best friend. Oh, isn't that sweet? I know. I said, I love you. And I hugged him. Oh. So all that work, right? All those years of pain resulted in a close relationship. So that's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, One of them had me looking for a car for him. And I was like, you know what? He was aggravating me about it. He was calling me like every day. Have you found me a car yet? Have you found me a car yet? (laughs) And I was like, I am not your mama. We have discussed this. You know I'm not your mama. And then I was like, I'll help you, you know. <laughs> because at that point, I, you've bonded with them, and you want to help them, and they know to be appreciative because they've seen that you don't have to do anything for them. That's right. And they know that you, you know, honestly care about them. You're not just being a mean step evil mother. Step evil mother. Yep, step evil mother. I've done that a lot today. Have you noticed that? <laughs> so, uh, Melissa, since you do... Talk to people about the problems. Let's dive into a little bit of the similarities that we see uh, and what you see, because I think it's important when people are struggling to to when they find that that first kind of, oh, my gosh, other people are struggling with this, too. I'm not the only one. That's, you know, that's the first big relief that we see people have. And then, you know, they start finding other people that are having the similar problems and, and getting help. So what are some of the things that you see commonalities as far as problems in step families? Yeah, absolutely. And and it's always a common theme, right? We all mm-hmm. know that there's there's some main topics and then there's other things sprinkled in. But usually the the main problem is toxic exes. I deal with that on a daily basis from my listeners. People that have exes that just can't let go, that are still trying to cause a rift, that are using parental alienation where kids are trying to be close with both of the parents, but the one parent is trying to turn their children against the other parent. And that is really, really sad. And it's happening all the time. And the problem, the challenge for that, for me, as someone who's trying to help, is that we can't control the other parent. We can't really do anything about that. And so that's why that's one of the biggest challenges that I face and that my listeners face is because we can't do anything about what those other people are doing. We can only control our own reaction to it and how we cope. So that is the biggest challenge. Um, Other challenges that I have are really just with step parents and it's mostly step moms, you know, because they struggle the most in their role in the blended family. Um, Feeling not supported, a feeling like they don't have a voice is a big running theme that I get from stepmoms and um, having kids that don't respect them in the home and that don't mind them and they just feel like a third wheel or an outsider. So that's another common theme that I have. Um, And then, of course, just getting a family to blend peacefully is really, really challenging for a lot of people, especially in the beginning. There's a lot of different personalities. And just because the mom and dad fall in love doesn't mean that the children wanted it or expected it. And now everyone is expected to have this nice, happy family. And it's just not always the way that we think it's going to go. A lot of times it just goes awry and then people get really upset and they think everything's a failure and it's not. It's just normal for these challenges to come up. And it's just how we deal with them, really. Yeah, it is. And it's how um, one of the biggest things that we try to stress to people is you can't control the ex. You can't control, you know, what they say to your kids. You you don't have any control over that. And then sometimes you don't even have control of when the ex is going to say, hey, I'm going to send the kid to you this weekend because I've got plans. And so there's a lot of feeling out of control. And, but once you realize that that control lays or lies within you 
and how you let it affect you is so powerful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We we really do need to control our thought processes and how we react to situations because we really can let ourselves run away with it with anger and frustration over things that we really can't do anything about. And we let it come in between us and our partner and our relationship. And that's a big problem too, because like in your example, if the ex calls and says, listen, I need to change things around on you. We tend to get mad at our partner. Well, why are we getting mad at our partner? They didn't do it. They didn't ask for it. It's their ex who they have no control over, but it, it ends up affecting our relationship. And so we need to learn how not to do that. That's very difficult to do, but we really need to like team up with our partner and kind of get it's us against the world mentality, not, not it's us against each other, because when that happens, it kind of just tears the family apart. And then it's yours and mine and everything like that. And so what we try to do is we try to stay a team. And no matter what our exes throw at us or what our kids throw at us, we try to make sure that we're united and we're strong together so that we can deal with those challenges. Because exes and kids have a funny way of just getting right in between your relationship and really driving a wedge. Yeah, absolutely. What did you find uh, as far as the communication goes when the uh, step parent, I say step parents, but the the family gets an even other, the step mom or whatever, they have communication issues we see often uh, times as being one big issue. So they they may look at the stepkids as being the problem, like the stepkid won't put the dishes in the sink or the stepkid won't do their chores or, you know, and what we're finding is that the stepkids not doing things or the stepkids doing things oftentimes is not the problem. It's really the symptom. And really the problem comes down to the parenting or the lack of parenting or the lack of communication between the two people that are the parents in the house. Is that what you see as well? Oh, yeah. I mean, communication is everything. And I think a lot of people, instead of really talking about the problem, they secretly stew over things and get angry and bitter over the way things are going. And they feel like they can't say anything because every time they say something, it causes a little bit of a problem, right? Because we all get defensive over our own kids. Yeah. So when our partner comes and says, well, your kid did this instantly, even if they're right, instantly, you just have this like, you know, because you're the parent and that that mama bear or papa bear kicks in and we want to defend our kid and it really causes a problem and can create where we can't talk to our partner about it at all because we try to hide it because we know it's going to create a fight and tension and we don't want it. So we hide it, but then we secretly stay angry about it. And that causes a lot of tension in the relationship. Melissa, I want to go back a little bit. We talked about the the bio the, the not the yeah the bio mom so the toxic bio mom and and that's kind of one of your top things that you deal with we we had a previous episode where we were really talking about that a little bit in depth because that was kind of the person's really number one struggle kind of as you alluded to so what do you see as being some of the best ways to handle those toxic bio mom situations yeah. So I, I think definitely the first thing you need to do is not engage because that's what they want. They want you to engage. They want the reaction out of you. They want to cause problems and frustration. That's what they're living for, especially if it's a narcissistic person. You're never going to be able to fight against that. And a lot of people don't like my method because my method kind of almost looks like it's like, we'll back down. Um, and that's not really of being like, oh, you have to back down because you're weak. It's more back down because the the toxic bio mom isn't going to back down. And if you both escalate it, it's never going to stop and it's going to cause a vicious cycle. And so uh, people don't fight with people that don't fight back. They will try initially. And when they see that they're not getting that reaction, they're going to then back down themselves. That's, that's just what I've seen. And that's what I believe. Um, and so the first thing I say is just don't engage. And they're going to try to push the buttons. They're going to try to do everything they can. And it's going to get worse before it gets better. And then what they're going to do is they're going to use the kids against you. And that is the most painful thing that that a toxic, and it doesn't even have to be a toxic mom. It could be a toxic dad too. But any toxic parent is going to use the kids and it's wrong. And we're told not to do it. But toxic parents don't care about what's right or wrong. They only care about themselves and they don't care if they hurt their kids. And so, um, so yeah, don't, don't engage, disengage immediately. Um, and I would not have any conversations. I would have everything over text or email. So that way you can show that to the lawyer if you need to, but people have a tendency to not get too crazy over email, right? Because <laughs> they know that there's proof of what they're saying and doing. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, so that's what I would say there um, and minimize the contact as much as you can. Um, and 
you know, with the children, you really can't do anything about a, a parent that is feeding negativity into your child. You can only do damage control on your end. So make sure you keep communication open with your kids because the toxic parent is going to be feeding them misinformation and you need to be there to kind of straighten that out on the back end of that. So, right. We, and I often see too that if you, if you don't take that oxygen away from, you know, the fire so that it'll die uh, in the conversation between the bio mom and all that is that the more you fight that, uh, as you said, they drag the kids into it at some point. And so really, if you care about your kids, then you don't fight with the other parent because they're doing more damage to the kids than they are uh, to you. But they're trying to do that to get to you. Right. And it's it, people get so caught up in the but I'm right and they're wrong. And I understand that. But it really isn't important who's right or wrong sometimes. It's just important to have peace. Yes. And so certain times we just need to let certain things go, even though we don't feel right about it, even though we feel that we were wronged, it's still better sometimes to let it go because it's really not about who's right or wrong. We just want to be happy. And if we want to be happy, sometimes we need to learn how to let certain things go and not fight about them. And that's one of the issues that we see the stepmoms too. You know, basically, Nacho Wing is not engaging in the bad behavior with the stepkids and not provoking them and um, just lowering the stress for yourself. And then a lot of people go, well, that's my house and I'll be darned if they're going, I'm going to let them do this. Or so they get that defense mentality going on. And it's just, it's not productive and it ends up being a tit for tat. And then you've got petty fights going on. You know, we've seen people say, put nair in their shampoo. Oh, my God. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, just crazy stuff because these people can't let it go. Yeah. And you have to. You have to, for your own health and sanity and your relationship with your significant other, you have to let go of that other mess. You know, whether it's the bio mom or the stepkids arguing with you. Yeah. Well, you completely lose focus on what's really important, which is the relationship that you have now. And you're, you're focusing on the bad relationship and fighting versus focusing on your current relationship and improving it. And where your focus yeah. goes, that's what grows. Yep. Yeah. And then people wonder why they're not happy and why their blended family isn't running smoothly. And that's why. Because like you said, if you're focusing on everything that's wrong, how can you be happy? You got to start focusing on what's right, what's going smoothly, even if everything's not perfect. I know a lot of um, stepmoms benefit greatly from a gratitude journal. Yeah. 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 I, I love anything with gratitude because if you even, um, I always tell people, start your day when you open your eyes in the morning. This is what my husband taught me is just right off the top of your head, three things that you, you are thankful for that day. Three things that make you happy. It doesn't matter just the first thing because usually we wake up and we think, oh, the stress, the bills, the kids, what do I need to do? And it automatically starts you off in a negative mindset. And then you go and wake up the kids and one's in a mood and it just spirals from there. Yep. And so I always tell people just have, have some positive thoughts when you wake up and do that every single day and see if your day doesn't change. It does. It has a good impact on um, how you foresee things throughout your day. You know, yeah. I used to be one of these people that would get stuck in traffic and it would drive me crazy. I'd get aggravated. And when I say stuck in traffic, I mean behind one car that's going 35 and a 45. <laughs> oh, God, you sound like my husband. <laughs> That way. I would get so aggravated. And the more I've learned to nacho, basically, you know, because I nacho Walmart, I nacho all kind of stuff now. <laughs> but I will pull over on the side of the road and let that person pass me because the feeling of them riding my bumper is just going to drive me crazy. And I know that. So I avoid that trigger as much as I can. And I just pull over, you know, and if I'm two minutes late getting to where I'm going, oh, well, it's OK. Yeah. You know. I'm not a surgeon for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how does your husband interact with your kids? So, excellent. Um, he, basically, he's been kind of a dad to them for such a long time because at the time that we met, um, their dad wasn't really around that much at that time. He had some other things going on. And so, yeah, Sean was just the fatherly force in their life for a while. And then plus, he, he's been living with us for the duration. So, they moved out when they were each 13, but he's been living with them the, the whole beginning part of their life until they were 13 and they moved out. And so he's very hands-on with them. He coached my daughter's football. She, she was quarterback on the football team going back years ago, but he coached her and he he's taught them all how to drive all the kids. Cause I can't, I can't <laughs> do it. I'm not, 
<laughs> I know my, my strengths and my weaknesses. And that's not a strength of mine. And so I let him do that. Um, but yeah, they go to him for advice and he's very open with them. And yeah, he's, I mean, he's, he's like a dad. He's a second dad. So yeah. Now in your experience and through dealing with blended families, do you also see that it's easier when the child is younger when they come into the blend? I do think so, yes. I think that children are much more receptive to a new parental figure in their life when they're young. I think that if they come into the life in, in I guess, in the teenage years, you just never know, right? Teenagers, it can be one way or the other. They could be very full of angst and not want anything to do with that new person. A lot of times teenagers have bad feelings about their parents' divorce because they, they might know too much or think that they know certain things that went on and they get very protective over their parents and they get involved and it can get ugly. So I do believe, yes, and that's one area that we were lucky in that we did meet when the kids were young and they were all very good like that with acclimating to us. And I think that that was something that went well. We definitely had other challenges, but, um, and we've had our moments. We've had our moments with the kids where they're, you know, the whole, well, you're not my parents or you shouldn't be telling me that we've, we've dealt with it all. But overall, I think, yes, to your question. Yes. Being young definitely helps for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I see the um, difference in men as stepdads and, you know, we can analyze that all day long. We could probably do about 10 podcasts on that <laughs> where, you know, the men aren't as needy as the women. Okay. Yeah. Prime example. There's a Mother's Day and a Stepmother's Day. There's a Father's Day, but there is not a Stepfather's Day. <laughs> Interesting. I, see, I didn't know that. Yeah. No, there's a Step Family Day. Yes. I know about that one. Right. But there's not a separate Stepfather's Day. We'll have to change that. <laughs> I actually didn't know there was a stepmother day. Yes. I didn't know that. When is that one? The weekend after Mother's Day. Interesting. Is that new? Mm, oh, I, I don't know. know. I think it's been around several to, years. I'll Google it. I'm going to have to research <laughs> that. I had no idea. Yeah. Well, it was How about that? funny. There was um what I already knew about the stepmother's day, but there was a siblings day recently. Yeah. And so one of David's kids took a picture of all the kids, including my son, and cut my son out of it. And posted his brothers. It was like happy step siblings or happy, sorry, siblings day. And I'm like, you cut my baby out. He's like, but he's not my sibling. He said, I'll recognize him on step sibling day. And I said, there's not a step sibling day. And I said, but there's a step family day. <laughs> so That's funny. he said that um, he's going to take the same picture and cut my son out of it and, you know, recognize him for step family day. But what'd you find out, David? I found out that it happened. It started in 2000. So, um, wow. yep. So May 19th of 2019 will be the next one. Well, isn't that something? Huh? Go ahead and see when Step Family Day started. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to put David to work while we just sit here and chat. Yeah. So 2000. That's 19 years wow. ago. Wow. That's great. Yeah. And I, I should know that, right? I should know that. But Well, girl. You know, that's like um, the abbreviations in the Facebook groups. You know, I'm used to E-O-W meaning every other weekend because it used to not be every other week. Right. <laughs> and so I mix that stuff up all the time. And yeah. I'm like, crap, they meant every other week instead of every other weekend or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you never know. So uh, National Step Family Day uh, is celebrated on September the 16th of every year. And it started in 1997. Oh, Wow. Now, just to make sure that I'm not wrong, Google Stepfather's Day. Yeah, watch you be wrong. I know, watch me be wrong, and then I will have to delete this whole podcast. <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have David putting the hashtag Lori's wrong. Yeah. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. No, no, no. It's like there might be one. No, that's not right. Now, I will tell y'all something interesting that I learned from working with some Germans about Father's Day. On Father's Day in Germany, all the guys get together and go pub hopping. Yeah. Uh Really? Go. Yeah. And they take the day off after. They get that as a holiday because they're wow. all hung over from the day before. They don't stay home with their kids. That's something. That It's typical. It sounds typical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. You can't find anything, can you? Um, uh, no. No. In my quick 30-second Google search, I'm not seeing anything. Yeah. If you, well, if you look up Stepfather's Day, the thing that comes up is National Step Family Day. Yeah. They need to do something about that, though, because that's not right. Stepfathers are just as important as stepmothers. Yeah, equal opportunity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but then again, that's what I was going to say is the differences. Women, you yeah, know. Yeah, that's true. Oh, 
I didn't yeah. get recognized on Mother's Day, and I take care of these kids. Here I go with my accent again. Yeah. <laughs> I take care of these kids better than their mom does, and nobody appreciates me. And I wrote a blog about this the other day, and I was like, create your own happiness. Go buy yourself something. That's what I do. Yeah. What, yeah. what do you mean that's what you do? Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I don't care if it's Easter or Valentine's Day or Stepmother's Day or Mother's Day. Women get so riled up over not being acknowledged on these days as a person. And it's sad because the majority of them are homework days. Right. <laughs> That's funny. Right. It is. I mean, it's a it's a big topic, you know, yeah. and then, oh, Lord, let's talk about Christmas, you know, where the kids are going back and forth and everybody's crazy. And yeah, well, for the for the dads or stepdads that are listening, though, that is something to keep in mind is that your significant other, she does crave recognition. And so one thing you can do is make those days special for her. And if it's not going to be Mother's Day, then make sure that it is Stepmother's Day. Make, let, let her know, look. Stepmother's Day is next Sunday, and we're going to absolutely celebrate you. And and we want it to be on your own day so that everybody's focused on you. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Because sometimes stepmoms get mixed in with Mother's Day, and, and we do get we do get neglected because children usually are with their their biological mother, and the stepmother does get a little bit pushed to the side sometimes on Mother's Day. And I think if you're a, a bio mom already, it's probably less noticeable, but. If you are a childless stepmom, mm -hmm. as they call it, that would probably be very painful on Mother's Day to not be recognized, I'm sure. Especially yeah. if the stepmom has to ride with her significant other to drop off the stepkid to yeah. the mom, and it's a two-hour ride. So four hours of her day, she's put yep. out because she's got to go recognize Mother's Day for this kid, and yeah. she just gets all upset and yeah. ends up crying in the corner. And I'm yeah. like, go buy some ice cream and get a pedicure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can't wallow in our self-pity forever. Yeah. yeah, but but people do. But like you said, I think if, if, if people could just learn to recognize that everybody's important and, and if stepmoms could feel comfortable to turn around and say, hey, you know, I, I you don't have to be like you said about it, crying in a corner, but um, to say what she feels is important to her and that she wants to be acknowledged and, you know, make sure that I think in that situation, I really think it is up to the husband or the, the male partner or the, whatever the, the other female partner, whatever the, the dynamic is. Um, but yeah, I think it's important for the other parent to actually say, Hey, you know, I, we need to recognize your step parent as well, not just your biological parent. And sometimes kids don't know any better. Um, so it's up to that other parent to, to teach them. Right. One other question I wanted to ask you was your feeling on two statements that we see a lot. Number one, you knew what you were getting into. I, I never liked that statement already, <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> I don't either. Like that made my head spin the first time. Or when you married him, you married his kids. Uh, yeah, no and no. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't. Uh, first of all, nobody knows what they're getting into, right? We It, it doesn't matter what anybody tells us about anything. Nobody can see life from our own perspective or walk in our own shoes, and nobody knows how we all feel as individuals. So to say that is is just silly. Nobody knows. You you can say, oh yeah, you knew you were marrying that person with all those kids, but you don't know what it's really like until you, because we all have this this fantasy of how it's going to be wonderful and we're going to start this new family and everyone's going to love each other. That's that's how we all think going in. We don't realize how hard it is. So um, that statement, definitely not. And the second one was when you married your partner, you married their kids. No, absolutely not. <laughs> you, you know, when those kids grow up, they're going to be gone and have their own life with their own partner. And you are left with your partner, you know, the mom and dad or the, the mom and mom or the dad and dad, whatever, those kids are gonna leave the nest. And so I always say, no, I do think in a blended family situation, everyone has to respect each other and everyone has to learn how to get along and compromise and live together for that duration of time that you need to be under one roof. But I don't think that you have to be expected to love those kids or, or the kids shouldn't be expected to love that step parent. I think mutual respect and, and like you do in a family of people that you have to do that. But do you have to love those people? Do you have to create a bond with them? No, it's nice if you can try, but it's not always going to happen. And they are going to leave, hopefully, like we said, right? They hopefully <laughs> yeah, one day yeah. will leave. And so when they do, you've got to have that, that strength with your partner. The kids are going to be gone. And you're left together. So I always tell people when people say, the kids aren't getting along and, and we can't make it work, should we just get divorced? And I say, well, 
how do you feel when the kids aren't around and you're just alone together? Because that's what you really need to look at. If ever, if your relationship is wonderful, excluding the kids and the home life, then that's going to be your future. So right. you need to recognize that. And some people get, they just think, oh my God, but I can't, I can't take it. But what's a few more years in comparison to a lifetime ahead when the kids are actually out of the house? And so, you know, you got to weigh it out. Yeah. And what we tend to tell people is, well, you can leave if you want to, but the next relationship is going to be the same. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, right. it's not going to change. And um, yeah. you brought up another um, thing that people say that seems to stir the pot is you have to love them like your own. No, you don't. Yep. You don't. And I tell you, the funniest thing for me is when somebody's like, oh, I love them like my own. And I say, well, how old are your kids? Well, I don't have any. <laughs> I, I love that. You know, I mean, well, then how do you know you love them like your own? We've um, said this before is my kid would be really upset if I love David's kids like I do him. They're not my kids. Yeah. And I think it also matters when you meet the kids, right? So, so I met my stepkids when they were really, really young. So it's a little easier for me to have that kind of love for them like they're my own kids, right? I've, I've basically raised them from, but if, if you just meet a child at 13, it's going to be really, really difficult to love a teenager that you've never met before that is sometimes in the ugly stage of their life, right? As teenagers, how they are. And a step parent comes along and is like, oh, I'm supposed to love this child. Well, you don't even know that child. You've got to develop the bonds. For me, it was a little bit easier because I was able to develop that from a young age with the kids. And so um, it just depends. But I don't think there should ever be an expectation on it. I think that you should try to love the children for the sake of your partner because that's respect. Um, and you should try to develop a bond with them. But you can't really force these things. And so if you can't get there, then I think just mutual respect is, is what you need to do regardless. Yeah, we see, um, we, we think a lot of the parents or step-parents issues, or even the parents, I'll, I'll say the parents, is they want to force this blend. They want to make the stepmom love the kids or make the kids love the stepmom. And you can't do that. And it's okay that people don't like each other but you still need those people to be respectful. It's the same thing as at a job. You might not yeah. like somebody, but you can't sit there and call them bad names in a meeting. You know, it's the same thing right. in your home. Right. Exactly. All right. Well, are you ready for the lightning round? I actually hear some thunder out my window. <laughs> uh, well, I will do my best. Let's go. All right. Now you might have to think back since you've been a stepmom for so long. Yes. Which, congratulations, because you know that you're one of the rare ones that survived the blend. Yes. <laughs> All right. The first question is, what has been the hardest part of blending for you? I think um, definitely, I would say co-parenting. You know, even not just in my own home, even just co-parenting among the exes and everything else, trying to make sure that everybody's on the same page, but also in my own home a lot because we do have two bio and two stepkids each and trying to make sure that things seem fair for everybody when not everyone lives in the house at the same time. So not everybody has the same rules and they're not all the same age and we have to treat them all differently, but the same, that's challenging. That's challenging. So I would say that for sure. Yes, it's definitely challenging. And, you know, whether you realize it or not, you do treat people differently. And, yeah. you know, I've got an older sister and a younger sister. Well, I hate to say it, but I'm the favorite. Yeah, you know, I mean, I can't help it. <laughs> At least in my daddy, I was. I can't say nothing about my mama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's see. The next question is, what's been the best advice you ever received about blending? Gosh, you know, this one is really hard because I, I hate to say I'd never received a lot of advice back then because I didn't know where to turn for help. And like I said earlier, there really weren't a lot of resources back then. But somebody did tell me once that it really takes about seven years for if, I don't know where they got that number, but I agree with it. It takes about seven years for your blended family to just kind of like finally feel like things are going better and blending peacefully and things are kind of like falling into place. So um, I think that was a good piece of advice because you get scared after a couple of years and you see that things still aren't running great and you start to get worried that it's never going to be okay. But it is. You just got to give it time. Yeah, I know um, when David and I did our research and we thought we were so well prepared for the blend and we heard the seven to eight years and we're like, oh, we can do this in two. Well, yeah. we know that the seven years is there for a reason. 
that number. I don't know if somebody grabbed it out of the air. <laughs> I, I don't know if somebody mm-hmm. just rolled the dice and that's the number they got, but it, it's pretty dead on. I mean, yeah. if you get to year seven, you start realizing that things shift. And I think a lot of that is because the kids are able to know you and trust you. And, you know, they've had time to build that bond with you. Yeah. yeah. Well, the interesting thing about it is it does the opposite of a nuclear family. Like when you first get married on your first marriage, you have the honeymoon stage, everything's great, and then it gets harder. But the step family is the opposite. You get married, it's hard immediately, and then it gets easier as time yeah. goes on. Yeah, for us, yeah. year three, yeah. end of year two, year three is when things just went crazy. Yeah. And we tend to see that as a trend with um, a lot of the blended families that we deal with, too. Yeah. Well, there's, yeah, there's definitely a little bit of a honeymoon phase there, but it's it gets hard pretty quick. Oh, yeah, it's definitely different. <laughs> it's funny what you said there, though, David, because it just made me think of the seven-year itch. Like you said, in traditional marriages, things get worse. It's, it made me think, like, well, a lot of people, after seven years of marriage, they're looking to get divorced. But, yeah, blended families are doing better by year seven. Mm-hmm. So that's just interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, blended families are completely opposite of nuclear <laughs> families. Yeah. All right. Let's see. The last question is, oh, wait, did I skip one? Yeah. I skipped one. Sorry. <laughs> Next to the last question. If you could travel back in time, knowing what you know, know now, what is one piece of advice you would give yourself about blending? Ooh, that is a good question. Um, and I have so many answers that I'd want to say, but I probably would say the the, the piece of advice that I think I'm, I dropped the ball on um, was we didn't really implement family meetings like we should have. And I think that had we done that earlier on, I think it would have saved us a lot of aggravation and grief and trying to get things to work if we would have just had those meetings set in place. By the time I really wanted to implement them, it was a little too late and there was some resistance there. And so uh, I would definitely say as soon as possible, implement family meetings and some structure right away. Yeah, we agree. We didn't try that until things were hard and then (laughs) they just, they were bad. They were really bad. And plus the meetings, the meetings were always about what's going wrong. And so, you know, you kind of, you set the tone for family meetings to be bad things. and, and, And that was the wrong way to do it too. Yeah. And that's right. Uh, Somebody gave me some advice once, uh, somebody who specializes in family meetings, and she said she started out her family meetings with just positive, only going over some positive things initially, and then starting to implement some other things. And I think that that is definitely the trick. Yes, Mm -hmm. that is definitely a good trick. All right. Last question. Yes. What is one thing you would tell others who are facing the same challenges in the blend that you have, or since you deal with blended families that you've experienced? Your, your best say, piece. Come on, your best piece <laughs> of advice. Oh, um, you know, I, <laughs> I gave this, um, I actually gave this advice to somebody else the other day. He asked me, what would I do if my plane was going down and I had to call my kids and give them like three last nuggets that I would give them before I was not going to be here any longer, which is a very oh deep gosh. question. <laughs> um, and I think that I said, uh, love hard, forgive easily. And don't sweat the small stuff. And I would say that here too, because um, I think it's really important that we don't hold grudges, that we really love our, you know, as much love really makes a lot of other problems go away, right? I mean, love is really the answer. And so we need to really love our family, even if we don't like them sometimes, right? But they're here for a reason. And that's why when I say forgive easily. We get really upset at things that our family does and our kids and the exes, but Forgive because forgiveness is for us. It helps us grow. Yes. And staying in anger is not healthy at all. Um, And don't sweat the small stuff because, listen, life is hard and you got to learn how to laugh and let things go. Otherwise, you life feels very heavy and bogged down. And so, yeah, you gotta you gotta laugh, you gotta live, you gotta forgive, and you gotta love. So, yeah. And you know, my advice added to that would be that you've got to recognize that the majority of things are small. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if they don't feel small, they, in the grand scheme of things, they're small. Yeah. If a yeah. tornado came and wiped out Toto <laughs> and, you know, would it really matter that that sock was on the floor for 17 days? Yes, right. it still would matter. <laughs> <laughs> well, Melissa, it has been awesome to have you on our podcast. Yep. And we um, would definitely love to have you back sometime. I'll come back anytime. You guys are so much fun. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And oh, tell people how they can find you. 
Yeah. So uh, blendedfamilypodcast.com is my website. You can get all of my links from there. You can get to the private Facebook group and everything else. So uh, come join me. Join me on Facebook. Check out the podcast. Um, and I'm trying to get more consistent. I've been only putting out like two shows a month, but I'm going to get back to three or four. So come check me out. There you go. Great. All right. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. You can definitely tell Melissa's been doing this a while. Mm-hmm. She's a pro. She is a pro. I mean, she's just whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> she's whoop, whoop, whoop. Yep. <laughs> it's awesome that she's there and been doing this Blended Family podcast and helping people as long as she has. Mm-hmm. And she's learned so much during that time. Yeah. She's a great resource. Oh, absolutely. And everybody that's listening to this podcast should go check hers out as well. Definitely. And I like how she talks about that the kids are not as independent because they don't have as much responsibility living between two homes. Yeah, that's true. And it is definitely an issue. You've got little Johnny. He's back and forth between mama and daddies, and neither one of them wants to give him too many chores, and and neither one wants to be the drill sergeant or the heady. Yeah. So little Johnny just goes through life and— his biggest chore might be to dust the ceiling fan once a month. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Because you're always, I won't say always, you sometimes have parents that are kind of competing in the wrong direction. So they're competing with each other in how little they give somebody to do or how easy they make it for the, the kid. Mm-hmm. Man, my life would have been so much easier if I'd have grown up. In a blended family. In a blended family. <laughs> because the chores my mama gave us were outrageous. I mean, really, during the summer? Well, we had them all year long. It didn't matter if you had school or not. But during the summer, she, honest to goodness, would make sure we had at least three to four hours worth of chores a day. Well, I think about even your kid, if you would have stayed with his dad, he would have had a rougher life. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) He would. That's true. Yeah, you're right. Good thing that didn't happen for many reasons. I know. You got me now. I did find it interesting, too, (laughs) that she talks about how Kids there in Florida can't get jobs till they're 18. Oh, yeah, right here. They're, what, 15? Yeah. She said most of the places will be like, no, you can't do this. You know, you can't be a cook until you're 18 because you might get burned. Yeah. You know, the whole coddling the world. No, I mean, I was I was probably, I know I was 15 when I started, but I think I actually got my first job before I turned 15 because um, I remember driving and not having a license. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but my parents. Hey, yeah, we're finding out all kind of stuff that David did. But my parents were okay with it because they were like, you got to make it to a job and we can't take you. And so they bought me a piece of junk car and they said, don't get caught. <laughs> your mama and your daddy, especially your mama. I can see your daddy being okay with that. But your mama? Yeah. I mean, it was only a short time. It was like a couple of months before. Well, I was, I'm getting ready to go have a talk with mama. She'd be like, oh, I don't remember that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that. That. That's not true. <laughs> yeah. You know, everybody has their own reality. <laughs> well, I started my first job, I guess you would say, when I was 13. My self-employment job, cut grass. Yeah. That's because my mama would buy me the ugliest school clothes, and I hated them, and I complained. And so she told me, in a not-so-very-nice way, get a job, honey, and you can buy your own. Yeah. Thinking that you could get a job because you were 13. Right. So you created a job. I did. Good job. I was making a killing. <laughs> I was. And then my first job after that, I guess I had to be 15. But I think I went and worked with mama doing filing and stuff every once in a while to make money when I was like 14. Mm -hmm. But yeah, when I turned 15, mama came home one day. She's like, I got you a job at the Bowen Alley. You need to be there at 9 o'clock Saturday morning. (laughs) Thanks, mom. Mm -hmm. And then I said, are you going to take me? She said, no, I got you the job. Wow. And my mama was tough. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm so strong, people. She liked me, though. Everybody loves David. <laughs> Isn't there a TV show, Everybody Loves Raymond? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody Loves David. We're going to start one of those. This, look, hey, that'll this, be the name of the podcast. Everybody this, Loves David. Yeah. This, I had something happen when I married Lori that was kind of telling. <gasps> oh. <laughs> I knew I was getting myself into something when <laughs> I had people come up to me crying <laughs> And kissing me on my cheek, <laughs> both male and female alike, telling me they were so happy that Lori had found me. <laughs> and I was like, what? There's something wrong here. I don't know what it is yet, 
but everybody is just so happy. They were so happy because they <laughs> knew what a wonderful catch I was, and how that's not I, how I took I, it. I, um, excuse me, I'm speaking, <laughs> and how I had been very unfortunate in my previous relationships. Oh, that's hey, what it that was. That sounds good, don't it? It did sound good. I, I don't know that that's what they were doing. I think it was more of David. I am not that bad. I think it was more like good luck, buddy. You just have no idea. No, that's what people were saying to me. <laughs> They'll be like, "Are you sure you want to do this? You know, he's got four kids, right?" I, you know, but I would tell people, "Look, I understand. You know, the prettier they are, the crazier they are." <laughs> oh, look at him! Look at him trying to suck. So up she's cray cray. <laughs> <laughs> he's so stupid. <laughs> That's my term of endearment. Yeah. <laughs> You're so <it> stupid. <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks for listening to today's show. Join us next week. Same Nacho time, same Nacho channel for another episode. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.